Hey Desi Crime fans, I'm your host Aryan and I'm Ashwara and welcome back to another episode of the Desi Crime podcast. If you're jogging, stop jogging. If you're cooking, stop cooking. If you're driving, stop driving. Or maybe not that. That might not be safe. Either way, stop in your tracks and hit the follow button if you're listening on Spotify, Apple or wherever. Just hit it, please. Oh, and also stick around this episode to find out a book giveaway we are doing in partnership with HarperCollins. A leaked video showing four girls singing and two boys dancing is making the rounds in Kohistan, a mountainous district in the northern Khyber Pakhtunkhwa region of Pakistan. As cold as that area is, the story is even colder. Begum Jan, Shireen Jan, Baziga and Amna have lost their lives to a cold-blooded murder. That is all their fate held after 30 days of torture in a small room. from hot coals to boiling water their own family subjected the poor girls to this treatment but even though they are dead their fate now rests in the hands of an iron-jawed man afsal kohistani this is the story of afsal who put his life on the line for justice welcome back to the kohistan video murders start our episodes with asking you to become patrons on Patreon but we will start this episode with something different we want to give back to the listeners who have helped us reach this level ranking in the top 100 podcasts in India alongside crime junkies and joe rogan is no ordinary feat and it wouldn't be possible without your constant motivation and support so today we are doing a book giveaway in partnership with our awesome friends at harpercollins india They've recently released a book called Dead Men Tell Tales. This is, you guessed it, a desi true crime novel written by one of India's most famous forensic surgeons, Dr. B. Umadathan. It is an autobiographical account of some of the strangest cases he encountered in his career as a forensic specialist. But before we tell you more about Dr. Umadathan and his book, hear this out. We will be giving away 10 books to you guys. So carefully listen to the instructions as to how to win those 10 books. To participate in this awesome book giveaway, you have to follow three very simple steps. First, follow us on our Instagram account @desicrime. It's important for you to be following us for us to reach out to you if you win. Second, share any of our episodes on your Instagram story and tag us. And lastly and most importantly, comment on our latest instagram book giveaway post and tag two other accounts that can be your friends or family or anybody not too complicated one follow us on instagram two share a desi crime episode on your insta story and tag us and three tag two people on the giveaway post 10 winners will be announced on june 1st and the books will be mailed to their houses also before doing any book giveaway we make sure to preview that material and trust us 
This book is quite a doozy. Dr. Umadathan's stories are mind-boggling. I was frankly unable to believe that these are true crime and not fiction. But lo and behold, India's foremost forensic surgeon had one tale too many up his sleeve. So, he wrote a book. His stories capture the readers' minds and I witnessed that firsthand. I was taken aback by the Chako murder and the Panur Soman case. And you guys some of these cases are so interesting that we assure you will be producing episodes on solely the works of Dr. Madhathan. We have the link to the book in our show notes so if you want to buy it on your own be sure to check it out. It's funny to think but had a forensic surgeon visited the hills of Kohistan maybe the case could have been solved in a matter of days. But that simply wasn't the case. Once Afsal had held the press conference in Abbottabad and went public what ensued was one of Pakistan's most infamous trials. Let's go back to 5th June 2012. the day after afsal went public a media frenzy captured the nation of pakistan the press conference was telecast all over the country and the fate of the four women was being debated no one knew if they were dead or alive but everyone wondered honor killings weren't new in pakistan like i told you but then why did this case get such media attention firstly afsal just the fact that someone went on record to call out the perpetrators of such a heinous crime was a first for pakistan but another sometimes forgotten element is the nature of the crime the digital nature when pakistanis were told that there was a video circulating everyone wanted to see it media houses scrambled to find this obscure video being talked about they all wondered How sleazy or lecherous must the video be to warrant such dastardly repercussions? They wondered and wondered, but the result was anticlimactic. After all, it wasn't a scandalous video. It was simply put a video of girls singing and boys dancing. This infuriated the nation of Pakistan, and more than the nation, it infuriated the world. Stories from the remote areas of Khyber Pakhtunkhwa never made it out to the mainstream world, but this one managed to slip through the cracks and it made through. Now, the justice system of Pakistan was under strict scrutiny. What I'm about to tell you might surprise you, Ashwarya, and the listeners as well. The Supreme Court of Pakistan organized a task force within hours of Afsal's press conference, just a matter of hours. when everyone thought that this would be just another story of failed justice and bureaucracy credit to pakistan supreme court for quick and decisive action on 5th june the chief justice of pakistan demanded the commissioner of kohistan to present the girls in islamabad the police commissioner of that region told the court that the girls are alive and married but cannot be brought to the capital but they're alive It's like saying, "Oh, I don't smoke cigarettes obviously, but you cannot smell my hands or check my gums to make sure." The family of the girls essentially told the Supreme Court of Pakistan to f off. They were in direct violation of the court orders. People in Kohistan were confident that no one from Islamabad will dare to come to the treacherous hills of northern Pakistan to investigate an honor killing. After all, it's just an honor killing. Their reason for not presenting the girls was the same reason they gave for justifying honor killings. It is tradition. They hid under the blanket of tradition to protect themselves from any scrutiny. 
the family of the girls argued that it was disrespectful and dishonorable to have a woman in court aryan i think obviously this case is now slowly and slowly taking turns but i can just imagine human rights organizations across the world pulling their hair and kind of going crazy over what's going on were there any famous ones that were at all working in pakistan or ones that came forward to talk about the case not right then but once the documentary that brishke ahmed directed the case did get media attention and there were organizations within pakistan which played a pivotal role That's one nice of this know. organization was the commission on the status of women who i'm going to talk about soon but the justice system of pakistan wasn't willing to fall prey to such identitarian way of lives it ordered the then interior minister rehman malik to go to kohistan himself to find the facts of the case and see for himself if the girls are alive but 5th june was very special for other reasons That was the day the Supreme Court had to adjudicate on the legitimacy of jirgas. Remember, a jirga is a quasi-legal tribal council consisting only of men which decides punishments and issues fatwas. In fact, if you guys remember, it was a jirga that ordered the honor killing of the girls as well as the boys. The Commission on Status of Women lobbied to illegalize such jirgas which they claim are remnants of a patriarchal culture and have no legal sanctity. The women activists from the commission were present in Islamabad at the court on 5th June to fight that very appeal. They didn't know that another case was being reviewed in the court, one that would change their lives. On 5th June 2012, two cases were simultaneously presented to the Supreme Court. One was Afzal's appeal regarding Kohistan and the other was the CSW's appeal on banning jirgas. This was a fortunate coincidence because many members of the CSW most of whom were prolific female lawyers and academics were present in Islamabad by sheer happenstance among the women present there were women's rights advocates like Shabina Ayaz and Dr Farzana Bari who have spent their lives fighting against oppression all of them had gathered for the hearing on jirgas but instead were made aware of the happenings in Kohistan Chief Secretary of Pakistan was quick to act. He ordered the then Interior Minister Rehman Malik to go to Kohistan and take some female activists with them. As Rehman Malik was exiting the court building, he spotted Dr. Farzana Bari and requested her to come along. She was of course surprised. Nobody visits the remote districts of Khyber Pakhtunkhwa, let alone investigate a murder, but she couldn't say no. This case was way too important to her and it was way too important for the status of women in Pakistan. The Kohistan honor killing had the potential of playing a pivotal role not only in removing jirgas but also ensuring that honor killings do not take place. Dr Farzana Bari was accompanied by some other activists and all of them were told to immediately gather in front of the Islamabad Marriott Hotel and get whatever they could. They were given just 1 hour to bring along sweaters and blankets. I'm frankly surprised Aryan by the swiftness of all of this not only the fact that the Supreme Court adjudicated on this case the very next day but also that it dispatched the task force within hours bodes really well for the investigation and it is to be honest counter to what I actually thought would happen and the coincidence of the CSW meeting hmm. happening at the same time just makes it seem like this case is going as well as a case this sad can go it seems like the best that can happen is happening 
I couldn't agree more, especially the CSW being there that day for a completely separate case gives a layer to this case that you'll realize slowly as I go forward adds a very important element and that element is Dr. Farzana Bari. But acting swiftly was a prerequisite to guarantee a successful investigation. If word about the task force reached Kohistan, the families of Shireen and Baziga along with the complicit authorities would stage a fake Kohistan. That was the last thing Dr. Bari wanted. She knew that if they were going to find the truth, they had to leave immediately. Everyone assembled in front of Marriott Hotel within an hour, some with a shawl, others with a jacket. A helicopter awaited them. From Islamabad to Kohistan is an insanely treacherous journey. Quebec Pakhtunkhwa, where Kohistan is located, is no ordinary place. It is a far-flung remote area, so remote that even Pakistani authorities don't bother administrating it. In fact, when the pilot of that helicopter was landing there with the task force in the helicopter, he was praying out loud. Imagine how scary would that be? Imagine you're in a plane and right before landing the captain starts chanting prayers worrying for his own safety. But the poor helicopter pilot had no option. The inaccessibility of Kohistan has led to several helicopters crashing in past decades due to fog and the narrowness of the valley. Thankfully, this helicopter landed safely. But what they discovered on ground zero was harrowing. Every person Dr. Bari and Fuzia Said met said either their sister or wife or mother or someone they knew has been killed for honor. It was as one investigator says, quote, honor killings were as common as common cold, unquote. But they knew they had to remain unfazed. Their mission was clear. Find out what happened to Begum Jan, Shireen Jan, Baziga and Amna. So first they requested the local authorities to provide the task force with photographs of the women. I mean, obviously, neither Rahman Malik nor Dr. Bari had seen any of these girls before, so they needed photographs to verify their identity. The authorities said no. Their reluctance was astonishing. Local authorities had the gall to simply refuse to provide resources to a task force ordained by the highest court of authority in Pakistan. Dr. Bari and her team had to come up with a solution. They reached out to Aurat Foundation Islamabad to create photographs out of the infamous video by capturing stills from it. Understand, back in 2012, technology wasn't as simple as just taking a screenshot. Aran, I don't believe this. I think a part of me is just feeling <laughs> kind of phased by how easy it is for authorities to just say, sorry, we won't listen to what you're saying to us. Yeah, just we no. simply won't provide you the photographs. We won't let you enter these houses. That's crazy to me. Because there's no federal administration there. So there is no way anything can be enforced. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So the next day, the investigators set out on a voyage on the hills of Kohistan to meet these girls. But as I said, everything was stacked against them. No one spoke the Kohistani dialect. And even the translator they got was issued by the local authorities. Dr. Bari couldn't verify if he was translating accurately. Accompanying the investigators was Molana Javed, who allegedly was the one to issue the fatwa. Dr. Bari recounts that they walked for an hour uphill to abandon houses. 
when they reached those houses where mind you no one is living Molana Javed pointed at a distant hill and said that the families have shifted higher for the summer months he told them it would be impossible to go there on foot and that everyone should return the task force was determined however and they continued after walking some more finally a girl was called from one of the houses this girl was draped in red clothes and her name was amna what the fourth girl from the video the girl who everyone said was amna gave the investigators an entirely different story about the viral kohistan video she claimed that this video was never shot at an uncle's wedding she claimed that this video was shot inside afsal's house she claimed that it was in fact afsal's mother who invited the four girls inside their house for a chat and the boys just happened to be there and lastly she revealed that she and the other girls in the video didn't know that they were being filmed their consent allegedly was never taken i do not believe that and i don't think anybody will believe that that's absolute nonsense i have my reasons to not believe that but why do you think so okay so firstly if you carefully look at the video it's very obvious that gulnazar the boy who's recording the video is not hiding the camera he's flaunting it at the girls moving it towards his brother who's dancing and then staring into it and talking as well it's impossible aryan i think to maintain such good focus while simultaneously hiding the phone and this is 2012 mind yeah. you We've uploaded the video on our Instagram so that all of you can decide for yourselves. I would agree with you there, but let me point out something. There are some other peculiar things about the video that I'll mention later. Anyway, that is what this girl allegedly, Amna, had to say. While the investigators didn't have any scientific way of proving it was Amna, they cross-compared the girl's facial characteristics with the photo sent to them by the Orit Foundation. Dr Bari and others concluded that this was actually Amna the eyes nose and face structure matched that of the person in the video in fact she was wearing the same clothes that day as the one she can be seen wearing in the video you have to be kidding me there was a stark similarity in the facial characteristics i think aryan if i killed someone and i had to prove to the csw that this person existed i would try my hardest to find someone who looked exactly like them. i get that but there's there's a real stark similarity the age is right there and that is all they have right they only have so much evidence That's to prove that's so sad anyway the task force proceeded to inquire the whereabouts of baziga and the other three girls the translator pointed towards three different distant hills as the location of each of the other missing girls so get this they forced the investigators to walk all day to hill number 1 which they first say is unclimbable then they claim that baziga shireen and begum all live on separate hills not even separate houses separate hills aryan i'm sorry but i think someone needs to get rid of this translator <laughs> mind you these are girls of the same family but the task force simply couldn't do anything they couldn't even ask amna the truth directly and at this point it was getting late and they were forced to return to islamabad they didn't choose to go back they were forced to local authorities refused to let them stay in kohistan for a day longer This was a hush hush two day investigation which had come to an end. 
Upon reaching Islamabad, the task force reported to the Supreme Court that Amna was alive and they couldn't verify the status of the three other girls. گفتگو میں متاثرہ لڑکوں کے بھائی افضل نے بتایا کہ ایک ماہ قبل مانسیرا میں مقامی عالم مولانا جاوید نے جرگا کرا کے لڑکیوں اور لڑکوں کو قتل کرانے کا حکم جاری کیا بٹ ان آل دس لیٹس ناٹ فرگیٹ دیٹ امنا ہو افسل کلیمڈ واز ڈیڈ واز فاؤنڈ الائیو ان فیکٹ سم ادر ڈیٹیلز ور ریویلڈ ان دا پریلیمنری انویسٹیگیشن دیٹ مائٹ جسٹ ایڈ اے ٹویسٹ مولانا جاوید دا مین ہو افسل کلیمز از ریسپانسبل فار دا گرلز ڈیتھس alleges that Afsal and his brothers twisted the story because they are looking to leave Pakistan and were waiting for an opportunity to file asylum in US. Another set of really interesting information is revealed by Gul Nazar and Bin Nasir. When the two brothers were questioned about the video, they said that the videos were completely doctored. They claimed, the brothers in the video, they claimed that the videos were edited renditions of two separate videos. What? Yes. The brothers claimed that the video of them dancing was filmed at a wedding, but they never danced in front of the girls. They allege that someone edited a video of the girls clapping and merged it with their video. And they had some compelling evidence to make this case. But is there any motive for them to do that? There is, kinda. Afsal and his brothers owned a lot of property in Kohistan. In fact, Afsal's family was kind of a powerful family in that region. And they suspect that somebody's nefarious intentions led to this edited video going viral. The motive in this case could be perhaps to displace the well-established Kohistani family that Afsal belonged to and take away their property and their power. But secondly, Bin Nasir, the boy dancing in the video, apparently is a very shy personality as corroborated by much of his family. It doesn't make sense for him to be dancing in a room in front of girls. This part had me really confused. Could the video actually be edited? To find out the answer to this, I asked Brishke Ahmed, award-winning director of Kohistan Unveiled, a documentary which explains in great detail the Kohistan case by interviewing Afsal and many other people involved in the case from Pakistan itself. It is a great documentary which you must check out. Anyway, if you want full access to our interview with Brishke, become a patron on Patreon. But for now, enjoy this snippet from our conversation. Talking a bit about elements of the case itself, and I had a question for you. The brothers who were in the video had to say that the video itself, at least the one that was leaked a year after, was edited. It was a, a video of the women separately uh, clapping combined with the men dancing separately so the, in what they said at least was that these were two separate videos do you believe that do you have thoughts about that or uh, either or what are your thoughts on the sort of the angle of the video was edited yeah i mean that's an important question but it was it's also something that in the film we had to thread really carefully around while we were filming because Afsal was alive at that time. His brothers were still alive, right? So 
we had an opportunity to take that video to the forensics, the military forensics in England. Um, and that was initially what we were going to do is to prove, you know what I mean? Whether or not, you know, are they in the same room or are they not, right? But the likelihood is that 50%, it could come out and say they were not in the room and that's fine. And then fine, Afsal will be safe and the boys would be safe, right? And the girls' parents who's killed them would be prison. But what if it came that they were in the same room? Well, then the tribal jurga is legitimized for their action because in their community, that's not allowed. And then that means that Afsal and his brothers who have been saying up to now that they were not in the same room would be vilified, right? Right. So, so how does that serve us, right? In this case, it doesn't matter for, for me the three girls, the two boys, these are all kids. <laughs> They're just kids. Do I, in my heart, believe that they were in the same room? I think so, likely, because of the gaze, like the way the, 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 you know, the way it's cut and the, the girls looking and they're smiling and the face, the reaction to the audio. I mean, it would, take, it would have taken a skilled editor to put it together yeah. in that, in that yeah. Kuistan village, right? It was a mobile video that it, was yeah. extracted. So. Highly pixelated. Uh, yeah, like yeah. all of that. Um, so it, it didn't serve our purpose to go and unfold that. Right? I think the not knowing still provides some protection. So all of a sudden, this case has taken a really interesting turn. Afsal, this brave macho figure, is he lying? Is he as honest as he seems? And what about his brothers, Bin Nasir and Gul Nasir? Did they lie about the video? Or as Brishke points out, does that even matter? The task force that was set up assumed this was going to be an open shot on a killing. But it isn't that simple. There is more to this story. After the first task force mission to Kohistan, another went one week later on June 16th. This one was far better equipped and knew what it was looking for. We were able to find footage filmed by the commission's second trip to Kohistan and have uploaded it on our Insta and Twitter, at Desi Crime. So go check it out. The second task force comprised of the legend Dr. Farzana Bari, Bushra Gohar, who was a politician, and Justice Munira. And it was headed by Justice Munira. This time, they were sent with high security and were guaranteed translators as well. There was a good feeling on this trip. When they arrived, the investigators were presented with three women and their parents sat beside them. But all the hopefulness suddenly came crashing down. Despite having more time to prepare, the commission wasn't. They were promised translators but got none from the authorities. The only translators they got was, drumroll, a relative of the girls. The translator they got was a relative of the girls being interviewed. What an amazingly unbiased translator to have, no? I absolutely do not believe this. I know I'm repeating kind of the same thing that I don't believe this. But it's crazy to me that a country can, in some senses, be so lawless that this can happen. People can be murdered and that case can gain international attention but yet there's so little compliance. It's crazy. The hills of Khyber Pakhtunkhwa are indeed lawless, as you said. But mind you, all wasn't lost. There were still three girls there to be analysed and interviewed. Ashwarya, I saw footage of those girls being questioned. 
You guys wouldn't believe the fear I could see in their eyes. They seemed like lambs awaiting slaughter. It was, until date, is a sad plight for girls born there. The three girls that are presented are questioned to very little avail because they can barely understand anything. Their photographs are taken and their fingerprints are taken as well. The investigation, despite its many hiccups, seems to be going smoothly. But Dr. Farzana Bari is not satisfied. Keep in mind that in this case, there are five girls who were reportedly killed for honor. While four of them can be seen on camera in the infamous video, a fifth one is never filmed but was allegedly there. Dr. Bari insists that she wants to see Bazika. During the first task force, they refused to take Dr. Bari to Bazika. And even in the second one, they argued that Bazika is pregnant, so she cannot come. Basically, in a matter of seven days, their excuse changed from she is too far to she is too pregnant. Dr. Bari wasn't willing to fall for these traps. But her demands went unheard because the person leading this task force wasn't her, but Justice Munira. And Judge Munira was convinced with the evidence she had and was eager to return back to the city comforts of Islamabad. Dr. Bari remained reluctant and refused to fly back. In fact, she told the authorities that she will be staying another night to make the journey to Bazika's house. The authorities told her point blank, if you decide to stay, you, quote, stay at your own risk, unquote. Basically, if Dr. Bari got injured or worse killed, it wasn't their responsibility. And Dr. Bari was well aware that she cannot spend time in Kohistan without police backup. To her dismay, she was forced to return back with the other two female investigators. I know that this case is really crazy, but the fact that Dr. Bari didn't feel comfortable staying without police backup just shows us, Aryan, how much more was going on in this region, how scary it truly was. I'm sure there were hundreds and hundreds of other stories like these which she knew about because of which she decided not to stay back. Simply knowing this story in and of itself doesn't, you know, prevent someone of her status from staying back and fighting for justice. Just like I pointed out, remember, during the first commission, when the women landed and were asking around people in Kohistan about the honour killing, each person had their own rendition of a story. They said, I know my sister-in-law or my somebody, some ex-relative who's been a victim of honour killing. It seemed as common as common cold. It was not a safe place. On June 20th, 2012, the Supreme Court of Pakistan, under the guidance of Justice Munira, the lead investigator, marked this case close. I know you guys are feeling disappointed. But don't. The Chief Justice did not ignore Dr. Bari and took her concerns into account. The Chief Justice deliberately included in his verdict an option to reopen this case if new evidence ever came up. Did it? Boy, did new evidence ever come up. Sabi Chief Justice Nevesh Shirt per case Bankarvadiata, Kyagar Badne Koi Sabu Samnaya, to case Kodobara Kholia Jaiga, Charge and Marie Dohazar Terako, video scandal case Kemodai Mohammed Abzarke team, Hayanko, Lerkyonke Kabila Varone Katal Kardiata. On 
on 4th January 2013, seven months after the four girls were killed, while Afsal and his two brothers Bin Nasir and Gul Nazar were in hiding. Three other brothers of Afsal were killed by the girls' family. Their house was raided and bombarded with bullet shells. This was a news clip from that month detailing their harrowing murder. The case was officially reopened. To find out if Afsal could avenge his brother's deaths, tune into part three of the Kohistan video murders. Oh, my God.